0: Hello and welcome to Home Impressions, a podcast where we ask our guests to tell us five encounters with people, objects or ideas that have had a lasting impact on their practice and have shaped the artists that we see today. Season one is supported by Gucci. Hi, I'm Haji Fanta. I'm a curator from South London, based in London, originating from Sierra Leone and I'm here with...
1: Rhiannon McKenzie and I'm a multidisciplinary artist from North East London. Um, we started home two years ago to create a more approachable, kind and warming space for BIPOC artists. And we had two years of a physical space where we had exhibitions, community programming, cultural programming, and really just created a space for people to just be in London where there's so much space but much of it isn't accessible. We wanted to celebrate, highlight and shine a light on artists that inspire us and artists whose work we simply wanted to be in the presence of. Um, Alongside our library and our special programme of events, including open mics and supper clubs and book clubs and lots of lovely things to get people involved in creative practices, um, we wanted to have an opportunity to have some of these amazing conversations we have with artists inside the space, outside the space, now that we've decided to close our physical to transform into a more malleable concept, which can transform with the times and develop through special collaborations and projects. So we find ourselves here and ready to have amazing conversations with people that inspire us and hope that they inspire you too. So for the first episode of this podcast, uh, Hadja and I, who've worked closely for the last year on home, uh, are going to share some of our impressions and we will be followed in the next five episodes with either Haja or myself speaking with a huge range of artists about their impressions.
0: So my first are my mum and dad. Um, my parents were born and raised in Sierra Leone and came here in the 90s. And they were just really really foundational to the way that i think and like engage with culture and art i mean i grew up in a house with lots of music um lots of art in the house and my dad i guess part of a collective that's now transformed into a charity used to put on these showcases and it was primarily musicians from west african francophone west africa um and to raise funds to do i don't know to build a well somewhere or to to help children go to school or to support a football team, but it was always through a creative endeavour. And my mum, yeah, and I remember I was so embarrassed. One time they asked us to go on stage (laughs) and I was, like, standing there and, like, (laughs) I didn't dance or anything. I was just staring at the crowd. Um, (laughs) And my mum as well, you know, she was super creative. She always – she was amazing in the kitchen, but with a massive, like, a a real creative flair. And she was also just, like, really – she just worked really hard to expose me to a bunch of things she used to buy these like second hand cds from east street market on like encyclopedias and whatnot so i had this particular cd that you could go to different countries in the world and like hear their music and hear their language and read up about them i didn't realize that was like really nerdy for a five-year-old to be doing that but <laughs> i used to spend my time going and i used to be primarily interested in countries where i knew at the time black people came from so like I guess the whole continent mm. of Africa I would look at the Caribbean and was just really taken aback by all these amazing things that existed so I would say that you know they're so foundation like my mum put me into drama club lots of all these like arts and culture things I was never deterred from that which is really special and I think it allowed me to kind of yeah be nerdy and enjoy that.
1: Why do you think that that was so important to them and imperative to them? Do you think it was just because they were creatives themselves or do you think that they really had the goal of inspiring that within you?
0: I think that they don't realise it, but they are very creative themselves. I think even like my passion for archiving comes from my dad because he always, like the first 10 years of my life is all on camera or you know, and photos wow. and video. Yeah, I can, I know I can go back to myself so well. And I think it was, I think also it was them being homesick and creating a, a space that felt like home. You know, um, they both came here somewhat unexpectedly and they came separately, but I think they wanted to create this home. And like, like they were also a hub for, um our like our community and our our, their friends and their family so people used to spend a lot of time here so there was a lot of conversation and exchange and I was an only child until I was about almost six so I think that I had no choice but to be around adults and they had no choice but to include (laughs) me in these things so Mm. I think that it's it wasn't it was innate to them I don't think it was something that um they may have consciously thought thought about about in that way yeah yeah
1: what kind of art did they have around the house and what kind of music did they used to play
0: so we used to listen to a lot of like jelly music which is griot music from like francophone west africa my dad's family actually my dad's mum is actually from guinea and his granddad is from ivory coast um so like the nation that my dad's side come from are really into jelly music and like griot culture um my mum was like very much like a pop disco she loved like South African music as well my mom was like a massive Avon Chaka Chaka fan um, my <laughs> mom loves dancing Sierra Leone people we love to party as well so I think so that was definitely it was primarily like very African or also Caribbean as well because I think that interchange happened you know between the two places was quite seamless at the time as well, especially like post-colonial Africa. And art, it was just things, it was a lot of sculpture, a lot of, you know, like sand, those kind of like sand, I, I guess, would you call it yeah. a painting, imagery? I don't know. Um, mm. Was in the house a lot. And um, a lot of photography, but like of family. So yeah, and we had like a big, we had like final play and big speakers and whatnot. So yeah, that that was what was in our house. Um, what's your first encounter?
1: The first thing that came to mind when thinking about what started to shape me and I think my perspective is travel and being exposed to different cultures. Growing up in Walthamstow anyway was super multicultural, super diverse and mm-hmm. it was normal in like my primary school. We'd have all th- so many different religious holidays off because there were so many different cultures at our school exposed to so many languages and my parents... Um, really kind of expanded on that by taking us to different places and when I was young I had the opportunity to go to like places in Europe like France and we went to the Caribbean went to Barbados and to Saint Lucia and to Curaçao and different islands and I think being able to go to the Caribbean especially as a child showed me a place where I wasn't an anomaly even just being exposed to and being around majority black people I think gave me a sense of place and a sense of okay, in the UK, we are a minority, supposedly, well, yes, we are a minority. Um, but it's not like that everywhere. And there are places where our cultures and our languages or dialects or traditions or just the way that we are is just the norm. And I think being exposed to that and then kind of coming into my early adulthood, I went on a trip to Ghana when I was 15, with which was this competition that I won with a friend at school when I was 15. It was all about raising awareness about women's education in West Africa but even that trip gave me so much perspective on being 15 from London going to Accra and going to um more rural Ghana and seeing girls who are the same age as me going to school and just being able to see the contrast but also the similarities but also at the same time seeing how that was then projected when we came back um, into these kind of advertising campaigns about women's education and what it's like for women and seeing some of the disparity between what I was actually experiencing and the fact that so much money had been spent on sending me and a friend and a teacher to Ghana as opposed to whether that had been put directly into the education so I think just being able to see parts of the world and also perspective changes I think growing up there was a lot there were a lot of ad campaigns at that time in the late 90s and like early thousands of like famine and poverty and of Mm. course with all respect that those things um, happen and are really tragic. And it's just the way that they're often represented in the UK and the way that people are kind of called for help in the UK and the kind of imagery that I saw growing up of Africa, which was mainly Oxfam adverts and Live Aid and things like that um, compared to being in these places just made me see that things aren't always as they seem Mm. or also kind of respecting things that we have here and things that they have there that are positive and negative. Um, And there was such a spirit and sense of of self, I think, in the Caribbean and in places that I was able to go to as a
0: child. What would you say is your favourite location that you went to or your top three? I can give you that.
1: I think going to Barbados as a kid was amazing because it was where my mum grew up. My mum came to London two days before she turned 14. And so just being able to kind of walk her footsteps a little bit allowed me to feel close to her and also close to that part of my history. And also we stayed at this little house, um, my uncle's house, my uncle Tony's house. First time I was in Barbados and I was probably about six or seven, maybe something around that. Um, And the house was in this little, like, like a really small street on top of a small hill And my dad somehow had allowed us all to bring our fold-up scooters all the way to Barbados. (laughs) And so we were scooting down this hill for like hours and hours and hours with like other kids who lived um, in the neighbourhood. And just, I think, being able to share what we had and also being able to learn what they had um, was really special. So I think that really began to shape a more global perspective that Um. I've I've had since my childhood, um, which I feel really grateful for.
0: And how do you feel it manifests in your practice today as a photographer or as a multidisciplinary, well, as a multidisciplinary creative? Because you've also got Selassie, you had her, well, you've had you got home, you've also got your photography practice.
1: Yeah, I think observation has always been really important. My mum used to say that when I was little, I didn't really speak, but I would always be watching and I would always like, I wouldn't really volunteer information in class. Like I would just... Um, I would only speak if I was spoken to but I had opinions it's just that I didn't necessarily feel to project them and I've always just been very observant and I think going to different places it's not it wasn't my character to necessarily like stick myself right in the middle and get involved but I would always really respectfully or aim to respectfully observe and take in what I could from what, what I was seeing and that I think directly manifests itself in my photo practice which was my first practice Um, because it was all kind of based in documentary photography and observation. And even then, as I kind of developed it into a more stylized approach, it's still based around working with what's already there as opposed to creating a world Mm -hmm. and projecting that into an image. Mm -hmm. And then I think that foundation flows through the rest of my practices. So whether I'm making garments, it's I love draping. I love working with existing shapes on my body and working with those um whether it's curation um I love to work with artists to see what they want to show and what they feel excited about and observe them in the space and bring them into my world but all of my I guess all of my processes are really I, I guess I would hope they're quite respectful of the other anything that isn't just me taking a self portrait um is respectful of the other and even then when I've explored self-portraiture I try to be respectful to myself in the same way that I would to someone else and kind of just let my body flow or let myself move in a way that feels good and capture that as opposed to having a specific idea of what I want from myself or mm. want from someone um, or want from an artist or etc. when I'm responding to them. So that's how I think it sort of relates. Um, and I think similarly we connect on that point of having this kind of wider, Um, wider scope of I guess inspirations that flow into our practice because it's interesting that I think it wasn't till a couple of years ago perhaps that you would even call yourself an artist so maybe that brings us on to your second impression
0: yeah I think um, it's exactly that and what was really instrumental in me identifying myself as like a curator was being part of six weeks which is a creative collective that's kind of sh- taking it's evolving at the moment um as we've all kind of springed into our practices but we all a lot of us went to Queen Mary University I actually studied German and business at, for my bachelor's and I went for my year abroad but that summer they Charles who's the founder um who studied engineering for instance um had st- like gathered a bunch of us together and um, he just brought about conversation and eventually they put on a showcase that was you know poetry and photography and singing and music and it was just really beautiful and really inspirational to see that you know people could do this it was in Shoreditch and we when I came back from uni Charles was like oh can you come along and help and I was like I don't know like help do what Um, (laughs) and I was so nervous I was so shy like I'm shy in nature anyway and but it was the best thing I ever did I think it was amazing to be around creatives who were figuring it out and who were being mm. rubbish together who were improving together you know oh how do i file my taxes or you know all these things that we didn't quite have access to for one reason or another we had in this ecosystem that we had built together and it really taught me that there was like strength in numbers because we'd come and maybe wouldn't do any- we used to meet every monday and maybe wouldn't do anything productive maybe we'd watch I don't know, a breakfast club interview, but that exposure to culture or, you know, things that people had encountered that week that was interesting to them, just really, I think, sped up my own cultural awareness and access. And it really made me like believe in myself. I think it taught me how to work with artists. Um, It taught me how to build a concept and idea because people were really, I think, generous with their time as well. generous with their ideas and we would, you know, it wasn't just one person's idea. We would take them and evolve them. And I think that was just really special and instrumental um to my practice. And I think a lot of us came from backgrounds. I was really lucky that my parents are kind of like, as long as you're good at what you do, just go and do it. But we all went to go and study something to take us through um to corporate avenues so we could make money and we didn't realize that you could make money from these secret passions that we had and it's just been really beautiful to see people evolve mm. so like people like Olivia for instance Olivia Twist um Lexa Moore Marta Camarada. like there's lots of people that have just kind of blossomed through that space so yeah that's
1: yeah I think that point that you touch on about generosity in ideas and generosity with time. And actually I've been thinking so much lately about kind of productive play, like mm. actually just watching the interview or reading a book or watching a film, like all these parts of our practices, or I guess we probably wouldn't even call them part of our practice, but all of this me all of this information that we're taking in, or even just enjoying, do inform what we do. And I think they're so much more valuable than they're given credit for I think unless one is an academic necessarily I think reading is often like sort of a hobby that most of us or what is called a hobby that most of us don't necessarily make much time for or have much time for or watching a movie is like something you might do once in a while but actually there's so much power in those things and there's so much information that we can gain and there's so much inspiration to come of those things yet we always focus on the work part the productive part what am I making? Have I like you know contacted enough people to do this project, or am I on the project I want to be on, or have I done this or have I done that? But actually, it's only till very recently that I've been like, hmm, okay. I realized in last last year, twenty twenty two, I probably went to like a handful of exhibitions. I can tell you about like I was so in, you know, focusing on well, home and photo and just trying to keep everything together. Really, that I didn't actually have much time to play. I didn't have much time to just have fun and it was either kind of zero to a hundred you know it's either like a hundred percent fun and I'm like I'm like so tired out from like six months of flat out working I need to take a month off and I'm not looking at my phone not going on Instagram not checking an email and I'm a hundred percent on rest or I'm a hundred percent on work and I think it's so valuable actually to have those spaces uh, where we can just find more of a middle ground between recreation and work since creative work does have so much you know kind of recreation in it in a way
0: I agree and I think what's really you don't realize but what you're doing when you're engaging with these things is cultivating your perception and your your perspective as well and I think we all look at things really differently I think is something that we often forget like I might watch a music video and you might have picked up something that I haven't seen, you know, even home as an example yeah. um watching things together. And it just really makes a difference because you have a conversation, even if it's just about a song, you know, there's things that yeah. people hear that I don't hear in music or there's things that people see that I don't see. And I think what's really special is just having a space to have that conversation, just like we used to do when we were younger, you know, when we'd send each other music, whether it's recording a radio song or why you like this garment or, and that's outside of a, a space that's not pressurized and it's just you sharing how you feel. Um,
1: yeah, yeah exactly and also being open to sharing ideas in a in a space where one feels that that will be respected i think in creative industries whether that's fashion arts etc people sometimes seem so frightened to say an idea in case somebody steals it from them but actually i found in my practice so valuable just having people to bounce ideas off or um that was that is, I think, the beauty and the special thing about home is us six women sat together, just okay. Sometimes just having jokes and like chatting absolute rubbish, but so many times, um, discussing our different researchers, our different perspectives coming together and bouncing ideas off each other, both within home but also outside into our wider practices and wider bodies of work. I think it's so important to be engaged in kind of group projects but where everybody has something outside of that that they can bring to it and I think I think it's natural for a creative person to be a multidisciplinary because there isn't ever going to be one outlet that says or expresses everything that we want to say and actually having the space and the capacity to do that and for that to be encouraged um, in a working environment is how we all kind of how we all thrive and I've always found that so inspiring.
0: 100% I think we all everyone is inspired we're all inspired by each other like it's all I think you grow I think my growth was so quick during that time period because I was around so many intelligent Mm. you know interesting people and I think there's real obviously it's not always straightforward but I think when it does work it really it's really amazing and it's really it's really special your second encounter is really interesting to me um could you tell me more about it please
1: so my second impression is Kerry James Marshall learning about Kerry James Marshall's work I did study A-level art GCSE art most important qualification (laughs) and then A-level art (laughs) I did an art foundation also in fashion and textiles but in that time I don't really remember being hearing about knowing about many black artists Um, at all it was definitely giving Jackson Pollock who I was also obsessed by when I was in GCSE art but I think there was there really wasn't that knowledge and that education so I think a lot of my own personal arts education which I'm still learning I definitely feel like I'm very much at the beginning of a whole world and day by day learning more and more about practitioners that exist or people's practices who are no longer practicing or no longer with us and things like that and I discovered Kerry James Marshall probably in my early 20s it was just as I was starting to switch from shooting 35mm film to medium format, which I think I want to say was in 2017, um, and I bought this medium format camera and the lens that just came with it was a 90mm, which allowed me to get quite close up. Uh-huh. And so I was really enjoying shooting these close-up portraits and in the light that I, well, I normally use, available light or natural light, and I was getting these images back and they were all so textured and um, I was just so blown away by the tonality that I was able to see in the photographs I was taking of of brown skin um, but sometimes when I was starting to work commercially you know they'd tell you like make sure that in the brief it'd be make sure the light's bright enough or make sure that everything's well lit and I think well lit is actually quite a controversial statement because what does that really mean and I think what one it can be saying within saying something as well lit is um, not necessarily thinking about the way that light works and w- reflects and bounces and responds to brown skin. And so being exposed to Kerry James Marshall's work, which I, I don't know how even came across it, maybe in a photo book, or in a book or um, online, or maybe even on Instagram. I don't remember how I first discovered his work, but seeing how he used black and used and painted brown skin and black skin just it really came at the same time of me exploring skin and texture through these close-up portraits I was taking and his work really gave me permission I think to light how I wanted to light or use light in the way I wanted to use it which wasn't necessarily always well lit there wasn't always often um what some people might say is much contrast or the images were fully of skin and they were completely brown and so many different tones within that so many different so much warmth so much light like for me there was so much in it and there was so much richness in these photographs of brown skin that I feel before uh, coming before encountering Kerry James Marshall's work um I felt a little unsure about presenting or showing because that's not what I had seen before and that's not why I had seen was well lit and obviously as a new photographer wanting to make sure being self taught not really knowing what I'm even doing in this industry just kind of winging it and working in retail and like just kind of shooting my shot literally um his work really gave me a breath of fresh air and gave me the confidence to to make images that I wanted to make set by his example of not being afraid to paint skin in the way that he wanted to paint it and create these beautiful loving warm scenes um of us
0: i think it's really i think where you said you are a self-taught photographer i think it's really interesting looking at another practice to influence your own practice you know i think Mm. often people would look to people in similar fields as them and i think it's really i think that self-taught element allows you or allowed you maybe to kind of look beyond what was in front of you because you're not coming at it from a traditional
1: yeah. Lens
0: absolutely.
1: almost. Yeah, I I think that's a really interesting point And I I definitely feel that coming to a creative practice without any prior experience or necessary understanding of that practice <laughs> just allows us to play in it more. And I really feel that when it comes to Selassie and um, my brand, when I'm making garments, because I didn't I didn't train as a fashion designer. I obviously really enjoy fashion and have engaged with it through photography and styling but making clothes with no idea how to actually make clothes (laughs) has meant that (laughs) I drape or I scrumple things or I just lay things on the body or I have an an idea in my mind of something I think is going to work and I literally go straight to the fabric and cut it out and see if it works because I don't know how to pattern cut I have no idea what the pro well now I know what that process is but I I still don't know how to do it Mm. um so my way of making things has had to be very okay what do I know how to do? Uh, How can I use what I know how to do to make the thing that I'd like to make? And similarly with film working on films or, um, even writing or I would say curating. even your
0: curation, I think it's been really interesting for me to watch you um, curate things, especially the last exhibition, and and on love specifically actually because there were so many different artists, there was everyone's work was so vibrant, and I think it was really beautiful how you brought everything together. And I think a trend that I see through all your work is cohesion and bringing lots of different beautiful things together to be in tandem with each other and to operate yeah yeah, with each other and it's almost like they were made to be together at that time
1: I think that's the really freeing part of self-initiated projects which can also obviously be quite um paralyzing to an extent because if one's always only working on self-initiated projects they always need to fund those projects and that can be quite difficult which I think why collaboration is so special and support and um and Working with people who have similar goals and similar ideas so that it's not always a solo pursuit. But one thing that I love and I've found more to love about curatorial is that I don't have to think about it, I don't think about it really at all. Um, I have often my like kind of initial idea of what I'm trying to work on, or often it's just artwork that I really like. Similarly, of like when you know we're buying things for our homes or ordering something off a menu, it's like I don't really know why I like that thing, I just know that I like it. And it feels easy. And I think that feeling of ease is something that I really, my body and soul really respond to well, which is why I kind of delve so far into styling, delving really far into curation. And I guess across my practices, there's this sense of ease, which is just really natural. And I think I didn't study art because I dropped out of St. Martin's after three days. But (laughs) I think sometimes people who did study art have this kind of over-theoretical, critical kind of voice in their mind sometimes of okay this needs to be like this because there needs to be some context there needs to be some research there needs to be a reason why i like this thing or a reason why i'm doing this um whereas my whole perspective generally is i like that thing so i want to do that thing or i want to put those two things together and i just i every my whole process is really intuitive um and i I like working like that and it suits me well because everything feels really good. We just worked on this late together. Um, Home worked on a late for the VNA, which was really special because I think it was such a perfect example of all of us who none of us had worked on a late event for the VNA before we've all done events and things like those before, but it was a really good example of us all just working on intuition of being in the VNA, looking at the spaces, not really knowing the extent of what they had done before and just saying, okay, we feel like this performance is going to go great here, Josh Wolford's performance, mm. or we feel like Salome would be amazing to, for entering the space, or we feel that having these soothing sounds will be a really mm. nice you know, opening. So even though, of course, we all have experience in certain things to so know, okay, yeah, that's kind of tried and tested, that should probably work, a lot of it was just, Trimiting. again, intuition. And yeah, exactly, exactly, just try it and see if it lands. And I think when something comes from love and something comes from, um, yeah, a, a true kind of passion and desire, it, it works, it's successful because it happened. Actually, this kind of leads onto my third impression, which um, is a something that Zoe Whitley, who's an incredible curator and the director of Chisholm at the moment said to me, I had a call with her um, at the early, early, early days of home she kindly offered her help and said, I can just ask her any questions I have. Um, and I called her up and I wanted to ask her about curation. And I asked her, I was telling her this idea for so the show that I wanted to curate. I had seen her show that she co curated at Take Modern Soul of the Nation in 2017, which actually inspired me to curate something because it was an amazing show, but for me, i felt like okay this is amazing but there are so many american artists like where are the black british artists where can we access those where can we see those so that show that she had co-curated inspired me to put on that little this show Uh i'm home that i had in 2018 yeah which was the precursor for home the physical space so actually being stood in this physical space calling her and asking telling her my ideas for this show and it was already kind of a full circle wow moment that I think I didn't really clock until just now of like she was that show that she curate co-curated was so imperative in pushing me to create what I wanted to see. Uh, Um, and so I remember telling her all these ideas and she said to me, think about whether for the ideas that you have, whether an exhibition is the best medium uh, for those ideas is an, is an exhibition the best vessel for what you're trying to say, um and that she said that to me at the beginning of 2021 it must have been as I was in the physical space and it really stuck with me and now I often think about it when I have an idea I think of okay what actually is the best output for this idea is it an exhibition is it a photograph is it a written piece is it a garment is it don't know music is it an installation I think being able to think about the best vessel the best medium to talk about a concept or an idea in terms of how the viewer is going to receive it is a really crucial and really, a really important part of I think our communication um, and how we share ideas and how we make those ideas accessible for the audience that we're hoping to reach by them. Mm-hmm. Um. So, so that was, yeah.
0: How do you decide when something should be a garment or something should be a photograph? I think it ties back to that point that I made earlier of, you know, um, you looking at other 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 practices and seeing your your practice is unbound um yeah what's that process like
1: I think it's just intuitive it's really hard to explain how to decide what something should be I think it just I feel it um and I think it's for me it's being really honest about what I feel like doing Mm -hmm. so you know sometimes it might be like okay I really want to read this book recently I was really trying to read a book And I was trying and trying and trying and trying and it just wasn't, it just wasn't in. you know, it just wasn't hitting. I couldn't <laughs> get into it. I didn't want to read it. And instead of doing that, um I, yeah, I spent my time doing something else. And so that's like such a small example of like, if that is, I don't know, sometimes I, I go to draw or I had in 2020 during lockdown, I started making these sculptures, which I actually really, really mm. loved making these clay faces Um, and sometimes I get like my 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 clay out and I'd sit there and maybe for half an hour an hour I'd try and make something and nothing came and it just didn't work Um, and for me I take that as okay maybe what the what the feeling that I'm feeling right now that I'm trying to project into this medium isn't working so maybe actually it's something else
0: I think it's really also really beautiful that kind of You know, you say the process is intuitive, but listening when something says no, because I think sometimes we can have amazing ideas and, like you said, force it down this particular route, but then it doesn't embody what it's supposed to. And just being really patient with yourself. Like, ideas don't just... You might have a great idea, but you don't don't enact that idea for a while. Or you have to let it sit, or you put it down, or you pick it up and you pick it back up again. And letting not necessarily forcing an idea down a particular route, but being in conversation with that idea.
1: Yeah, exactly. And being able to express those ideas in different ways. Like, Realistically, my I started this photo project called Explorations of Brown, I think, in 2018, and I did a shoot with a really good friend, stylist, Rudy Simba Betty, and we photographed Bibi abdul Kadir, who we Love. absolutely adore. Bibi is one of our home angels. who ran Bibi's books, are a li- uh, part of our library at the space, and also a book club, and she's just a formidable beautiful wonderful being who again has probably influenced both of our practices Mm. in many ways just through her kindness and through the the beauty in her soul um okay now I'm on a tangent of why we love (laughs) Bibi I'm
0: talking about styling and um oh yeah
1: yeah. so this shoot with (laughs) Bibi um this this shoot that we did of her um so I wanted to explore brown. So in the colours, like in the colours for the shoe, I only use white, brown, and there was a little bit of black, maybe. And that palette, I'm just continually, continually exploring, and the depths of it, and there's so much story for me in brown, like as a colour, is so rich and so full and so heavy and so vast, and there are so many. Stories, histories, ideas, textures, tones like there's so much in one color mm. that it's it's bled through into my whole being. Mm. My Selassie, the whole collection is almost the first collection was pretty much brown or cream. Um, home as a base, the color palette was brown, beige, and touches of blue. Mm. Photo, film, the way that I dress like the things that I enjoy there's a celebration of understanding this color and exploring this color. For me to understand my identity, for me to understand my sense of place, for me to feel confident, comfortable, powerful. There are so many things wrapped up in what you could just say is a colour. Mm-hmm. And I think being able to explore that through different ways is is super powerful. In um, that note, in engaging with things, Miss Haja, um, tell us about your third impression.
0: So my third impression is sort of like a, an internship. I would say that I did. I was doing it alongside working. I used to work in, um, I have a corporate background. I used to work in HR strategy and I went to a Black in the day event. And I think I must've learned the word curator, like, I don't know, a couple of months beforehand, if that. And so <laughs> I was there in my big mouth and someone was asking me, <laughs> <laughs> someone was asking me, oh, were you interested in creatively? Cause I was trying to make the pivot at that time. must've been like 2018. And I was like, oh, I think I want to be a curator. And someone introduced me to Amelia Kenlock, who is Neil Kenlock's daughter, and they had just been awarded National Lottery Heritage Fund to activate their archives and look at um, leaders in Brixton, black leaders in Brixton, that weren't kind of, you know, the usual people that you would see and put on exhibitions at Islington Library, the Black Cultural Archives, and also archive stories, and just engage with the community about this project. And it was so transformative for me. Amelia was so generous with her time, with the archives. I got to, you know, collect so many stories from people across Brixton. I'm from Elephant, so I'm a South Londoner. So again, that was extra special. And I think, you know, I'm obviously of West African heritage, where the culture I feel most closely to, but I'm also a Londoner. And I think me and my parents have that cultural disparity because they're not from here and their culture is something that they retain. So it was really special to be able to see the people that laid the foundation for me um, before I got here and, you know, the things that I'm interested in and just being able to relate in a different manner. And I think, again, like tying back to archiving, just see, like, I just love going, just hearing what happened and what was going on, what were people Mm -hmm. feeling, what were people doing? And just, I think it really, I think a lot of my practice is me being nosy. And I think (laughs) that, that comes from that, of just wanting to know what was going on and wanting to hear stories and, you know, how people were living, I think is really really important and how that directly impacts how i'm living today as like a black woman in london um so
1: that that intergenerational conversation is so important as well so being able to learn more about what came before us to that informed yeah like you said what we're able to do i think the opportunities we have
0: exactly that and i think often there's kind of this desire to, or like people pigeonhole us as like the first black person to do this or the first black person to do that. And I think at this point, it's 2023, we're never going to be the first. So I think it's really important to take advantage of the foundations that people have built for us mm. and to make use of those platforms. And I think working on those archives was really special because it allowed me to do that. They also gave me like a small grant to go and do a short course. So I did a short course on how to be an independent curator. It was for a week. Obviously, wow. I learned everything in a week but it was really (laughs) special I just took annual leave from work and it was the first time I'd been in an academic setting for the arts and again it was just it's, it's that theme of generosity and giving back that has allowed me to get to where I am and just that exchange with people I don't think there's lots of people that I wouldn't be here without you know even if it's something I'm going off on a tangent now but even um black curatorial labs that um Alia hosts and it's just that exchange of ideas with other curators mm. and being able to express um you know just like your thoughts and your ideas and I guess that was what was really special about working at home which is one of my encounters being around five amazing women who also just we're trying, we're trying to step away from the status quo, I guess, or whether intentionally or not intentionally, but just doing what felt natural Absolutely to, to intentionally. us. Intentionally, yeah. But I think some of it was just like this is just what's natural. Like this is what feels yeah. good to us. We don't like that and we don't want to do that and it's not even a case of like we want to argue about it. It's just that we don't like it. So actually we want to do this and just kind of having that three, that freedom to express ideas. Like you said, how it fed into our VNA, even freedom in how we worked. It was just such a different, you know, we worked really, really hard, but it wasn't your typical office setting, you know? And I think um, that kind of getting rid of that bureaucracy was really special and really, again transformative and I'm laughing because I'm just thinking about my long stalking <laughs> of home prior to <laughs> working there because I wrote about it in my dissertation of, for my MA and I think what is felt in the space transform like is felt through um engaging with the team and you can see that it comes from the team outwards and it's not there's no disparity between what you feel in the space and what you feel in the team, you know. Except the space always looks amazing Not that we don't (laughs) look amazing I mean the team always (laughs) looks amazing But you know there's a day where I might be in the office With my hot water bottle Um, Uh, Or
1: actually like the other day One of our last days at the physical space When I was struggling with pants, (laughs) And you guys were actually Really not helping just laughing at me in my hot water bottle front and back actually so this community we speak of is actually quite rude yeah a
0: little, a little bit of banter, right a little bit of bullying a healthy bullying to get you through the day uh constant laughter and I think it's that also that freedom to like take a break like after five minutes of being in the office we and be like oh we've worked really hard should we take a break should we take a break and watch a music video
1: no, but, but absolutely. But yes, absolutely. Also, should we just skims drops at 11? So shall we all set break? <laughs> but that's really important. And like one of my impressions, which is a really broad one is actually community. And by community at this point, I mean, those people who are actually there, people who inspire us, people who came to the space, friends who maybe had never even actually been able to go, but who showed support, people who came through, people who showed work in our exhibitions just people who gave us books or even just came and hang out like actually this space that we created which we're continuing through chatting to people virtually on this podcast or through special projects like our curation that we have at the Royal Academy that's open now um through all of these things it's like celebrating people who are really here for it and about it and through that really it just evokes joy and really we had this billboard campaign in 2021 Uh um, called celebrating joy with jack arts and it was a billboard campaign that we did we just basically had these big posters that studio nari who are amazing design studio worked on for us it said celebrating joy in huge letters with these amazing artworks and it was so simple but really for me something that's inspired my practice so much and shapes me as a person is actually the joy it's the jokes it's the coming into uh, home and everyone just giving each other massive cuddles it's like calling up Ricky he's one of my really close friends who we collaborate on Selassie's he's a designer um and us just busting jokes about fashion week and like things that we love and things that we hate and think are absolute trash and it's my agent Carol who my photo agent who is there for me always and has done things like advance me payments because I'm like Uh, short on money and really want to need to pay for the rent for home. Or uh, it's me saying I can't actually do any photo jobs right now. I actually don't have the capacity because I really need the money, but my brain is just absolutely frazzled. uh, Or it's my mum who I can call for a pep talk literally 24 hours a day, absolutely uh, anytime. uh, Or it's our homies group chat where we just send like (laughs) each other the most jokes, (laughs) gifts and advice about all sorts of things. And it's, jazz grant amazing artist who invited me to her barbecue over summer it's really like uh, all of these things which make me feel good and instill confidence in me and allow me to be who i am and that allows me to create the work that i do and that we all do together
0: what you were saying brings me to home like i used to say that sundays were my favorite days because it was just a day of constant conversation you know chat, me and elif used to work on sundays together and we you had our Ellen. I know, we had our usuals, like Santa <laughs> would come in on a Sunday, my friend Jamal would come in, and um you had Tammy who was a writer, writing her book would come in and we just talk and it is just really special, I think, to just be around people and again not even realize whether you realise it or not just feeds into those stories just feed into that vessel um yeah. of yourself as a creator. And also
1: it's the people that are there, it's like my friend Kerry, who I met when I was 16 and working at Office Shoes in Stratford-Westfields, my my first job where I got paid raisins. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's her who, every time I have an idea, she's be like, okay, like, she does PR and she's hooked me up with this person or that person or she spoke my name here or there or whatever. And it's all of those people who we actually do encounter or meet who maybe say our name somewhere and we yeah. maybe say theirs. And through that, we maybe create this culture of sharing and support which for us is so important and so crucial because no one wants to be or we don't I don't want to be a shining star by myself you know you want to be one in a constellation right and you want to have other people's stuff to go to where you're like wow this is sick I love it so much this is amazing like RIP Jermaine's show that's on at the Mm. moment at ICA that my partner Ezra did the sense for which is spectacular Mm. and is amazing and just I think the more we support each other the more there is to enjoy
0: really and more there is to
1: be inspired by
0: absolutely and I think it takes a village and I think we're especially in the UK we're trying to build there's not many of us we make up like what three to four percent of the UK and we're trying to build this creative ecosystem and I think in Mm. order for that to grow and to be sustained it is about collaboration and like bringing your friends alongside with you or your creative collaborator um collaborators alongside with you absolutely and saying their names because I don't think we can exist without each other and build something sustainable and that you know that we can challenge these forces that disrupt our work every totally. day um they strength in numbers even the way
1: that that you would go to um the Thai spot yeah. Rusty tie, <laughs> literally every day
0: <laughs> I've got shares in Rusty Thai
1: <laughs> like even things like that or like we'd get one love the Caribbean and Crouch End like so much and we loved it so much and like that supported us because it gave us literal energy to continue working on those late nights that we sometimes have events or screaming big joke. Like we love it. Like we're here for it. And we felt good in those spaces and that food fueled us to do what we're doing. And I think all of that really shapes us, you know, like it's all exchange and yeah, everything is exchange in a way. And it's about being intentional about what and how we engage with one another to create, to create a loving space which Mm. just feels good really it's it's just that it's about feeling good and when we're not feeling good hearing each other and being able to support each other
0: um yeah I think it is uh, that it just makes a massive difference like I I was thinking about this the other day I was like oh I've got a new laptop what happened to the old one and I was like oh yeah I spilled tea on it but I didn't feel half as bad as I would have felt had I been alone in that experience Mm. um like it's very irritating to replace your laptop but again it's that strength in numbers of just like it's okay it's not that deep or you'll figure it out type thing you know and also seeing I think what's also really special is having people at at different points in their career um whether they are ahead of you alongside of you or just getting started is all super inspirational because we all take like different approaches to stuff
1: mm-hmm. and that comes onto your last impression doesn't it yeah my your mentor
0: my mentor and again it's that intergenerational conversation my mentor's a 70-year-old man but he's amazing and i think the most important thing that he's taught me is slowing down i think in my practice taking my time and really delving into stuff like I think I really enjoy researching and writing and the exploration of that and thinking about the output and taking that considered approach is really inspired by him and like the literature that he's exposed me to the art he's exposed me to the concepts and also like business models like my mentor is super multidisciplinary and I think it's that exposure to 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 different things and possibilities has been really transformative, because I think sometimes you can especially in the u k they can just give you one perspective of things, yeah, and just that expansion of my perspective has allowed me to a be more confident in my practice, but b be okay with doing things in a different way and taking it at my own pace, and see kind of like understanding the business side of things of operating as a creative specifically in the UK and Mm -hmm. how can you make money and how can you sustain yourself and how do you manage the different arms like I wanted to do 10 million different things that kind of it would have exhausted me and I guess he has helped me refine my practice and really focus on a particular thing that I've I guess being around him has allowed me to find to pinpoint and understand myself and what I'm trying to say with my practice and ha- what I'm trying to express with myself
1: mm, I think that's really really important to be able to learn and grow as a practitioner in that way and sometimes I feel like it's kind of honing in and scaling back mm. and sometimes it's mad expansion mm. it could be one minute like okay, wait, I've got all these things going on on my plate. And I felt that multiple times. Okay, I've got all these things going on. How do they fit together? Which ones of them are actually making mm. me feel good? Which ones do I want to learn? Which one do I, do I want to develop? And then at the other moments, which I feel like I'm kind of in one of those moments now where I'm like, actually, let me just cast the net wide, wide, wide. Throw loads of things out and then see what sticks. And then there'll be another process of refining.
0: And I think what's really special about how those things work together, because I think you can, you can have like a focus, but within that you find expansion right like you can do anything like I think home okay we were like a physical space that you know focused on giving early career BIPOC artists opportunity to showcase their work but with that we did so many things that maybe a typical gallery space wouldn't do so I think it's really beautiful how focus and expansion can work together
1: totally that actually comes onto my last impression very beautifully thank you (sighs) so um <laughs> which is exposure and access exposure for me to levels of luxury um and levels of just other lifestyles I think um thinking like for example really small things like going to the Aesop store I saw like clay walls and I was like wow those exist okay I, I want those or you know being in spaces where there's like gorgeous even being on set sometimes I remember doing the shoot for Natter Porter um and we were shooting at this stunning house and even another shoot i did for sunday no sorry for t magazine Uh um that i shot an incredible ajay house in the Beauvoir in in hagerston and seeing the space and the windows and the furniture (laughs) and being like oh my god wait this is like 15 minutes from where i live can i have that Uh um and that was something we tried so hard to do at home was like have this balance between luxury and accessibility of standard incomes like can we get like you know we get stuff some stuff from ikea we get some stuff from zara home and then we get some stuff from Mm vinteria or like beautiful different places um and even food like watching programs like chef's table and being like wow that exists like i want to try that i want to have that and i think that exposure and not being bound by what i have now in terms of what i could have one day like knowing that swiss beats has a huge art collection like just knowing that that he has that and there's a friend a friend of a friend of mine has a ginormous gallery in porto uh, and so like that's part his dad started it it's at their house i'm like wow <laughs> again every day wow sometimes when we've had moments of like okay we literally have like no money how are we going to put this thing together i come back to okay some people have tons of money so it's possible to get it and it's possible to achieve things that right now i don't know how i would have the capacity to do that but uh, swiss beats has got it so surely there's a way to get there and I think thinking in that way has helped me to be really expansive in what I aim for, aiming really, really, really high and just like always having kind of a focus to just do something way bigger than anything that I'd experienced um, has shaped has shaped me as in the way that I am.
0: Yeah, I think shooting for the stars is really, really important. Like I said earlier about, you know, in the UK, we can often be forced down this like one track but there's so many things and so many possibilities and you know for your practice to evolve for your practice to change and I think it's all about exploration and being curious and I think it's constantly nurturing that curiosity and you know nosing stepping into a shop and seeing like oh okay this is kind of cool or like oh asking someone oh where did you get your shoes from and I think it it, it, that yeah. curiosity can lead you to places that you never imagined and i think i guess what's really beautiful about all of these encounters is that they have nurtured that curiosity and i think mm-hmm. that's a common theme through them It's just pushing you to be more expansive in your imagination
1: this has been episode one of home impressions where hadja and i have shared things that have shaped us and we hope to continue this podcast by learning more about what inspires others in an effort to to grow ourselves and to make these conversations more accessible. Season one of Home Impressions has kindly been supported by Gucci, our long-term collaborators and supporters of home and our endeavours and we thank them greatly for continuing to support us so that we can bring these conversations to you. So until next time.
0: Thank you, bye.